I mean, God has already been speaking. I just appreciate Mike and Gina, and then, of course, what uh, Jerry was saying. You know, how many of you believe that our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think? Amen? Praise God. You know, I had some people ask me when I came in this morning, they said, Pastor Ray, what in the world are you wearing cowboy boots for? Well, you, you, it, it, it's not a style statement. I, I love cow. I don't know of anybody. I, I love cowboy. They are unbelievably comfortable. I, I just love them. But I couldn't wear these for five or six years until the Lord healed me. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wearing cowboy boots. It's, I mean, I, I still believe in wearing dress shoes. And, uh, you know, I, I guarantee to you I won't come to church with flip-flops. But, I mean, but I, I, not that I mind that for you guys. But, I mean, it's just, I, I really do like cowboy boots. And I, I told my wife for, for several years, I said, I care, I can't even put them on. But, but you know, here's, here's the thing the Lord has been impressing on me. Your mouth... And the confession of your faith and your healing literally determines the outcome of where you're going and what's happening in your life. It determines what you release, what you loose, and what you bind from heavenly places. And we need to understand that there's an authority we have. So appreciate the word of the Lord from John Stanson this morning. That, that was a word from the Holy Spirit. God wants to bring focus into your life. I believe God wants to do another thing. I believe the Lord wants to bring into our lives what has just been more of a dream-like mindset into reality. God wants to bring a genuine reality of the greatness and the goodness of who He is. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you, there's, His presence, His life, His power resides in you. And there's something powerful, and one of the first things that Peter said on the day of Pentecost is that your young men will have vision. Your old men will begin to dream dreams. Don't make light of the dreams, the visions, the creative side thoughts that God puts in your heart and your mind. Amen? You can see, God's not here just to bless you. God's here to bless and use you in a very powerful way. I so appreciate it. And we, we really want to make time for testimonies because it's not just here to worship and thank God what happens when we begin to worship the Lord and we get our minds off ourselves and we begin to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, the Bible says to be filled with the Spirit, singing, speaking psalms and hymns to yourself in the Spirit. Do you know what happens when you begin to sing? Not just listen and watch, but when you begin to sing, number one, you make the devil mad. Number two, you actually begin to uh, uh, renew your mind because your mind is bombarded every day, all week long with negative, demonic, wrong thinking, self-pity kind of thoughts. But when you begin to sing what is contradicting in your brain, it changes your life. See, singing was not for performance. Singing is not about American Idol. And well, if people heard me sing, they'd think I was a croaking frog. Get over yourself already. 
Good preaching, Pastor Ray. You need to realize that coming into the house of the Lord is not about you. It's about His presence, His power, His glory on you. Because you see, when, when we begin to understand who we are and what we possess in Christ as sons and daughters, you are dangerous. You are powerful. When the Apostle Paul made it so clear, when Jesus said in Acts 1.8, 1.7, and you shall receive power. He wasn't just talking about the power of speaking in tongues. Thank God for that and the gifts of the Spirit. No, he was referring to the power of, 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 the, of the heavenly influence in your life. You possess heaven. You possess the power of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he comes to fill all in all. What that means is all of him is in all of you. You possess the Spirit of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when you begin to give him praise in the face of adversity, you defeat satanic strategy. You bring every thought. Everyone say thought. Every word. Say word. Every thought, every word, and every action into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Because you see, the devil is out to do one thing. Destroy your faith. If he can bind your mouth, then he can get your faith. And so this morning, when I'm speaking about I pray, God, oh Lord, open our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. You have the power to change your destiny. When he talked about, when John, and it wasn't just John, it was the Holy Spirit. The God, the, there were people in a state, remember what he said, what the Holy Spirit was saying. There's people in a place of confusion. There are people today that are in a place of confusion. They need direction and vision for their life. Number one, everyone say this with me. Believe. Okay? You've got to believe the word. Number two, you've got to confess the word. Don't just say, well, you know, it's for somebody else. No, it's, God loves you so much. He cares about you in such a huge way. How many of you believe that? Amen. Amen. By the way, does anybody here have change for a hundred dollar? I need somebody that has a hundred dollar bill. Has anybody got a hundred dollar bill here? Nim, 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 would you come down here? Uh, I, I, I need to make some change this morning. Praise God. Some of you are probably, Pastor Ray, what are you doing? Are you talking about money? No, I'm not talking about money. I already tithe, guys. Is this, is this extra? Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just need change for a $100 bill. Do you got a $100 bill? Praise God. He actually has a $100 bill. Praise God. Thank you for that $100 bill. Here's 20 40 60 80 Thank you. Appreciate it. Praise God. Give me change for a $100 bill. What, what, what's wrong? Do you feel shortchanged? Do, do, do you actually, you, you thinking I'm ripping you off? Do you think I'm ripping you off? Slightly. Can you believe this? This guy actually thinks I'm ripping him off. Well, yes, I am. 
Okay, I'll give you the hundred dollar bill. Oh, <laughs> tell you what. Oh, there it is. There it is. Give the hand. Give him back a hand. You may say, well, what, what was that little thing about, Pastor Ray? I want to talk to you about today people who feel shortchanged. How many here have ever felt like they've been shortchanged by God? Or shortchanged, they feel like they've come out on the low end of the deal. And, man, God, I, I came to you, I put my trust in you, and, you know, I've been tithing and praying and believing God, and all of a sudden, I feel like I've been given all, but I'm not getting a whole lot back. You cannot believe how many believers think like that. Now, thank God. By the way, just to let everybody know, this was a prearranged. I know that there's probably others of you that had $100 bills. I wasn't going to you because I didn't know how you'd react. I, 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 wanted, I knew Neam would respond to me, and, uh, and so I said, Neam, don't, don't hit me, okay? Because I'm, I'm going to rip you off intentionally. Because there are people that feel like that. There are people that think like that. How many of you know that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy? Now, I, I want you to read a story with me this morning back in 2 Samuel chapter 9. This is a story, a very, very well-known story. It's about the life of David. David represents not only Jesus, but he represents the Holy Spirit. David was a king. Everyone say a king. God brought him from being a shepherd boy in the backside of a farm, the youngest of eight sons, whose father literally rejected him. He was anointed to be king as a young boy, as a shepherd boy. There was no accolades. There was no fanfare. There was no party. There was no coronation. After the oil was dripping, after Jesse had anointed him, he went right back to shepherding his father's sheep. After, after God had told him, you're the next king of Israel. Now one thing we need to realize is that when we read the Old Testament, we need to see Jesus in the Old Testament. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe Jesus just didn't call you believers and didn't call you saints, but he called you kings and priests? And he wants you to think. But here is a story. This is in probably one of the peak of David's life when God had given him rest, given him victory. David understood something. That the success of his life was not because he was a great strategist or a warrior or because of the fact that he was uh, an individual who uh, was uh, 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 he was a absolute great leader. David understood the success and the key was his walk and his relationship with the Lord. David knew that if that ever collapsed, everything else doesn't work. David knew that. That's why David was referred to in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. David was not a perfect man. We know his life. How many of you know the Bible just doesn't hide anything? And the Bible says that David numbered Israel, which was not supposed to be sinned against the Lord, and several thousand Israelites died because of his sin. David premeditated an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. 
And then he went so far as to cover his sin by murdering the wife's husband, who was a godly man, the Bible says. Then he continued to hide and cover his sin. Now, most of us today would kick that guy in the butt and say, boy, get out of here. Nathan comes one day with a simple story and just says to David the little story about a very wealthy man and a very poor man, and this poor man had a wee little lamb, and the little lamb was all he had, and they cherished it as a pet. But one day this big, rich, wealthy king came on the scene and said, I want that lamb for myself. So he took the lamb for himself, and he slaughtered it and ate it. And King David, hearing this story, didn't realize that the whole prophetic word was a setup. Because Nathan was sent by the Lord. By the way, if God ever sends someone to you, we need to learn to listen. Amen? Sometimes God may send people you're not thinking would send. Sometimes we're thinking, well, I'm looking for an angel. I'm not looking for an elder, a leader, a pastor. I want somebody big. Well, you know what? When you need to go back to the book of Genesis, let me tell you, God even speaks through donkeys. Uh, and the mouth of asses, you know, and donkeys. And so uh, if God can use a donkey, he can use me. Praise God. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. <laughs> just don't call me an ass, but be, uh, just to let you know, I mean, it, uh, the Bible says that, by the way. I'm not trying to be vulgar here. It, it actually says that. That the donkey of Balaam, uh, uh, his ass spoke to him and said, why are you beating me like this? He turned around and he says, you're defying the word of the Lord. I mean, the, the Bible actually says that, but in the story of David and Nathan, Nathan is, uh, Nathan is coming before David. Nine, ten, eleven months have gone by. And David is making it sound like and look like that Bathsheba is pregnant from a dead husband. But it was actually David's son. It was David's child. Nathan comes in, tells him the story about the king. And this peasant man who had a wee little lamb, and David, aroused in anger after he hears this story by Nathan, stands up and said, that man, that rich man, needs, he needs justice. We need to take him out and clean his clock. That's the way. And then Nathan, his prophetic little finger, stands up and he says, you're the man. And David, all of a sudden, he backs down and he knows all these years he's been, or months, he's been covering his sin. Nathan said, you're the man that I'm talking about. I want to say something here. God never, ever brings anything to light to destroy you. Some of us have been humiliated and hurt. I'm not, in no way am I trying to make light of sin. What David did, in fact, by the way, sin has consequences. God will forgive. The Bible says this, and it said this to Nathan the prophet. Nathan says, God's already cleansed your sin, forgiven you. But he said this, the sword will never depart from your house. 
And what happened was, as you read through the rest from 2 Samuel 10 and 11 and on, you find through the end of the end of that book in 2 Samuel, one calamity after another in his own house. David was a great king, great king, great leader, awesome man of God, wrote amazing psalms. He was a prophet, king, and a priest. He, he loved the Lord. He was a man of God. And God gave mercy to David's life. But David was not a perfect man. David did not have all of his ducks in a row, but the one thing that David did that was powerful is that when David was wrong and confronted, he confessed, he repented, and he returned to the Lord. How many of you know it says that a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up? Everyone say, get up. We all fall on our face, but we get up. What do I mean by getting up? Getting up doesn't mean just, well, I'm sorry, I stand. No, that, that's not getting up. Getting up means that you confront yourself. And you realize what I did was wrong. And I need to make right with the right people. I need to do the right thing. And I need to acknowledge God. The Bible says in, in Psalms 32 that when I hid my sin, the peace of God left my life. But when I acknowledged my sin, and David says this, you read it, Psalms 32. He says, Lord, only to you, Lord, I have sinned, and I have done this wickedness in your sight. And he says, Lord, forgive my sin. And when I cried out to the Lord, you can read it. When I cried out to the Lord, it says, he heard my cry and forgave all. Everyone say all. Forgave all my iniquity. Aren't you grateful for the grace of God? David was forgiven. God didn't take his kingdom away from him. God didn't get the kaboot. Now, there was a horrible reproach. Sin brings reproach. In no way am I trying to paint a picture this morning that, well, we can sin and get away with it. No, that's not what we're teaching. Sin has horrible consequences. I believe that the God, though, wants to bring healing. I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something today. I, I believe the Lord wants to do something. I believe he wants to wash some people. I so appreciate, Mike, your boldness in getting up and sharing in Gina's testimony. You know, we've all been there. in Different ways, different situations. I've been there. I've fallen in my past, in my life, and I'm, I am so grateful for the mercy of God. But it, it took confession, repentance, and a changing of my mind. I will not allow self-pity, which is a lie of the enemy and the devil's playground, to possess my mind. That's one of the reasons why people don't come back to God. You just don't know what I've gone through. You just don't know my past. I don't need to know your past. But what you need to know is God's grace is greater than your past. And there's nothing that you've walked through. 
that God's grace is not great enough to pull you through, not only to bring you up, raise you up from the dead, give you a testimony, put a weapon in your hand, put a word in your mouth, and a testimony in your mouth, and use you to bring hope and deliverance and healing to the helpless, to the hopeless, and to those who have no hope. We're not here because of some kind of a self-righteous, well, I, I'm so glad I never smoked dope, or I've never done drink, or I've never done that, or I've never done this. I'm so glad, like the Pharisees, oh, I fast twice a week, and I pray, and I go to the synagogue, and I pay my tithe, and I'm so proud of my righteousness. What did Jesus think about those people? Read it in Luke 18. Luke 18. Because the Pharisee would come into the temple, thank God, praise God, this church doesn't know who they got, me. Praise God, I, I haven't sinned, haven't lied, haven't drank, haven't smoked, haven't still stolen anything, haven't done this, haven't done, I'm not immoral, not this, not that, I'm pretty good. Thank God, boy, you guys are lucky to have me, praise God. You just have no idea who I am. I know nobody talks like that. Except Pastor Ray. (laughs) But here's the point. We're all here because of his mercy. The Bible says there is none righteous, not one. And your best righteousness is still filthy rags in his sight. So when I come to church every day, I love Lamentations 3. It says, for his mercies are new every weekend. Did I quote that wrong? His, His mercies are new when? Every month? Every Christmas when I come to church? No. His mercies are new every morning. Do you know what that actually means in Hebrew? God is actually waiting for you to wake up. What this means is this in the Hebrew. He's waiting for you to wake up so he can let you know your day's going to start out really good because God is for you and not against you. He's a God who's with you. And he wants you to think. He wants your mouth and your vision and your mind to be focused in the beginning of your day because that's what begins to determine the rest of your day. That's why David said in the book of Psalms, early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. Why? Was it because David was a morning person? No. David understood that he needed to dwell He needed to abide. He needed to seek God's presence and dwell in His presence. The more he did it, all of a sudden he began to realize when the enemy started coming in like a flood by 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock. How many of you know the enemy can come in like a flood? And when the enemy comes in like a flood, it can be from a boss. It can be, you could be on 635. You could, you could have had a battle with your wife or your kids. You could, you could have been given bad news on the job that, uh, we're demoting you. You were firing. It's just a ton of things that the enemy will use to get a wall built between you and God. And all of a sudden, we don't even realize we are in the battle for our faith.
It's a battle for our life. Putting on the whole armor of God, folks, is not going to a birthday party. Putting on the armor of God is not even like just, just, just coming to church. Putting on the armor of God is getting radical, getting relational, getting right down, okay, God, I'm at a place where, like it says in Psalms 18, David was crying out. Do you read a powerful passage, Psalms 18? He says, when the enemy came in, he was too strong. He was stronger than I. David said this. <clears throat> but I cried out to the Lord. <clears throat> and I offered unto the Lord the sacrifice. Everyone say sacrifice. The sacrifice of praise. Why does it call it a sacrifice? Because everything in my mind and my brain and everything in my spirit wars against giving God praise in the midst of a problem. I don't want to praise God in the midst. I want to complain. By the way, even this past week, yours truly, I was doing some complaining and my wife said, Ray, stop complaining, start praising. Start practicing what you preach. Thank you, Carol. Appreciate it. I needed that. Yes. I was complaining. I was murmuring. She said, Bray, practice, practice praising God. Let's praise God. And I want to tell you something. Actually, I was mad at her for saying that. Because when she said that, I felt, I don't need preaching. You don't even know what I just went through. She said, Ray, preach it. Practice it. Let's do it. Lift your hands. Worship God. So I said, okay, God. Oh, Lord, I give you praise in the midst of this thing that's going on that is not fair in Jesus' name. Lord, I give you the sacrifice of praise, and I lift you, being filled with the Spirit in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And I begin to offer the sacrifice of praise. And as I was offering the sacrifice of praise coming out of my mouth, what was in my mind, the strongholds and the lies that were in my mind begin to break down. The Bible says this, that when the enemy comes in like a little raindrop, when the enemy comes in like a what? A flood. The Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. Do you understand what that means? And I've often wondered, and the Lord spoke to me one day about this. He says, many times my spirit can't move when the enemy comes in because they won't allow me to move. I said, what do you mean? They won't offer the sacrifice. See, a sacrifice of praise involves you going against the stream. It involves going against the tide of logic, of reason, going against rational thinking. It's called the sacrifice of praise. Why should I praise him for something that has just happened to me that is hurting me? It doesn't make sense you are in a battle you know it's easy to, <laughs> thank you jesus i won the lottery oh god i'll praise you 
Thank you, Jesus. Wow, I got a raise. Oh, woo, hallelujah. God healed my feet. It's easy to praise him when the healing's there, when the money's there, when the job's there, the promote. How many of you know it's easy that way? We can come and give testimony, and, and we need to give testimony for God's goodness, and he gives us those breakthroughs, and those are important. But see, here's part of the thing we don't understand about sacrifice. Sacrifice is painful. We medicate, we run from pain. We do everything to avoid pain. We hate pain. It's natural. It's human. If you like pain, we need to pray for you. There are people that are sadistic and weird in that way. But, but, but God has allowed you at times to walk through painful experiences. Pain creates growth. Pain creates growth. It also causes you and me to grow in the Lord, and He also delivers and separates you from the thing that keeps you in bondage. And here's the bondage. It's the bondage of living by your feelings. That's what pain does. When you offer the sacrifice of praise, I don't want to because I'm in pain. God, I'm going to praise you. Do you know when you begin to praise and you begin to worship God? Do you know what you do? You have just dethroned the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness over your life. They have no power because you are giving honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And when you, the Bible says, when you begin to let God arise, what happens to his enemies? They scatter. Everyone say scatter. You see, you're not going to come out shortchanged. You're always going to come out the head, not the tail. You're going to come out above, not beneath. You know, and I was, I was thinking, I got a letter too, Jerry, which I wanted to share this from Bo. Uh, he's over in Louisiana in a small town in a federal pr- prison. He's got seven and a half years. By the way, he, 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 do you know he's praying for this church? He counts this church as his body and his friends. And by the way, Jerry, myself, we got, we're writing letters to him. Uh, but, but a real breakthrough happened. For two years, he hasn't heard from his children. He, he has two, two kids. And he wrote me this, this week and told me, he says, Ray, I've been so hurt because my kids, and it, he was concerned about family and relatives that were kind of poisoning the, the pot in a sense and, and saying your dad was a bad daddy. He went into drugs and forsook taking care of you. And, and uh, I... I actually tried to intervene on that, and, and there's, there's a real need for healing still in that situation. But what happened was, Bo was able to call his son, and his son said to Bo on the phone, he says, Daddy, I love you. I've always loved you, and I forgive you. That was huge for Bo, for not hearing from his son for two years. And I remember talking to Bo in prison. I said, Bo, every time... As Bo was trying to get letters, I, I said, Bo, never stop writing the letters. 
He says, I know they're just throwing them away. And they were. They, were, they would get a letter from their dad. I'm, I'm not making light of what Bo did. And Bo actually gave us permission to share his testimony, but he got messed up with methamphetamines, drugs, his marriage, things went on the rocks. He, he gave me permission to share that, by the way. And uh, he, in fact, he asked me to read an entire letter to you, which uh, time, uh, for, I'm not going to be able to do it, but just in short, he, uh, you know, he, he, he lived in a crack house for nine months and wasn't taking care of his family. And it, and it really hurt the rest of the family that he forsook his family and got into that kind of a lifestyle. And we know that it was more than just drugs. There, it was a demonic element. How many of you know the devil wants to destroy families? And, 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 but when, when Bo was up in Bonham and then, of course, over here at, uh, in Hunt County, we were able to visit him. He was much closer. One of the things that I said to Bo, I said, Bo, I want you to understand something. I realize that you're living out the consequences of some really, really tough choices you've made. But I want you to know something. God can take where you're at, turn it around for his glory. And I want you to see that from now on, even in jail, God has a purpose. And I said, I want you to start, first of all, I want you to study Scripture on everything that has to do with your Heavenly Father. Because God is going to make you a father to men in your prison, in your jail, that do not have fathers in their life. And he told me, he says, you know, Ray, I am now praying for people. I'm praying for young men that have had no fathers, absent fathers. God is causing me to have compassion, even allowing me to talk to them. He's in Bible study groups. <clears throat> and he's, he's saying, you know what? I think when I get out of jail, I think God's going to use me to come back and be, even be a chaplain in some jail somewhere. God can take the worst situation and bring great blessing and great glory. That's if, if, if. Everyone say if. Every promise has conditions with it. If you will hear me. If you will obey me. If you will trust in the Lord with all your heart. Promises do have conditions. I said, if you will renew your mind and you will bring every thought into captivity and you let Jesus, and you let Jesus renew your mind and your heart to be a leader in that prison. He was shocked. Me? Me be a leader? That's right, Bo. God's going to use you as a leader and influence. And I even had a prophetic word. I said, I even think God's going to use you to touch the guards. Minister to those who are officials over you. I said, God can do anything. With God, all things are possible. He was blown away by that. Because Bo never had a dad in his life. He was a man, young boy. He remembers at eight years old, his parents would be plastered from having methamphetamine parties all night with their friends. He says he would get up in the morning, get up. There was no milk in the refrigerator. What he did was he ate dry Captain Crunch cereal, put his clothes on, and went to school by himself because his parents were plastered 
by being stoned all night. He says, that's the memory I have as a child. Do you know, today, it's another story. God wants to heal broken people. He wants to heal all of us. He wants to heal all of us. He doesn't want to just heal you to take the pain away. He wants you to learn how to walk through the pain. He said, when you walk through the fire, I'll be with you. When you go through the flood, it will not overflow you. He didn't say when you walk around the fire or above the fire or under. He said when you walk through. Everyone say through. See, some of you right now are walking through some things. And God's trying to let you know, I'm with you. Say that with me right now. He's with me. Say it again. He's with me. Some of us need to have our faith encouraged. I want to read this in closing. By the way, I didn't even preach my text. Praise God. It's okay. But I'm going to give you some anyway. Jump with me to Romans chapter. Oh, actually, jump with me to over to uh, Psalms 27. Psalms 27. Two scriptures and then I'm done. Psalms 27. I, I read this last week, and I just got to read it again. Psalms 27, verse 13. Listen to what it says. <clears throat> I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see what? The goodness of the Lord in the land of, of the living. This is what David says. Notice verse 14. It says, wait on the Lord. Everyone say wait. Do you know what the word wait means? In the Hebrew, uh, well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. Wait does not mean just stand around and just say, well, God, you know my address. You know, you know what I'm going through. And if you want to do anything, you can do it. Hello up there. That's not what waiting means. Waiting means to be an earnest expectation. It means to be active. Believing, moving, to wait on the Lord is an interesting word. In the Hebrew, it literally means to wait with a sense of anticipation. Now, faith is the substance of those things hoped for, the evidence of those things not seen. Everyone say now. When I'm waiting, I believe that now, I am starting to walk out my faith. I'm walking in faith. I'm giving praise, Lord, to you, and I'm singing a new song unto the Lord because you are my God, you are my refuge, and I'm not worried about what everybody else is thinking or thinking. I'm worshiping you, Lord, right now. You are my God. You may say, why do you got to sing your praise? <clears throat> do you know what singing's for? 
Singing helps you to memorize. Singing was also intended to water the soul. How many of you know that music opens the heart? When you begin to sing your praise, stop thinking about yourself and start worshiping the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You watch the heavens open on you. The heavens will open. But some of you come out of church backgrounds. I know I'm a pastor. I've been, I'm an introvert, and I'm just kind of backwards. Well, let's get baptized with the Holy Ghost filled with some fire. How about it? Because one of the things about a spirit-filled Christian is you got a mouth, you got a heart, you have an influence, you're a leader. God wants to use you in powerful ways, and he can't use you just like a... You're, you weren't called to be a little simple wallflower for Jesus. God's called you to be light and salt. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. Light shines. Something's coming out of you. When people start saying, you know what, I just don't know what my day is going to be like. I just don't have any direction, don't know where. Guess what? I can say, I, without even prophesying, you're not in the Word. You're not reading your Bible. You're not waiting. The, my Bible says right here, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. That should have brought down the house right there. He will strengthen your heart. Everyone say strengthen. He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wow. It's powerful. By the way, can I actually tell you something? This works. It really works. Some of us have strongholds. Last week, in the midweek service, I've been dealing with the aspects of strongholds. Four things about strongholds. Strongholds always start in seed form. Some form, some seed, some thought, some influence in your life was planted there. Could have come out of a church, come out of a background, could have come out of a family. Every stronghold starts in seed form. The second thing about strongholds of this is they're not always visible. Sometimes strongholds in your life, you may not even know you have a stronghold. Strongholds is anything that holds you, strong, holds you in a place where you don't grow, you don't move, you don't shine, you don't become all that God has. You're not under the blessing and the favor of God because something like a lie has bound you. It's not always visible. The third thing about strongholds is they are progressive. It will take you somewhere. Strongholds will take you deeper into darkness or stronger and brighter into the light. How many of you want to grow stronger in God's glory and light? No one, nowhere ever stays the same. You're growing from glory to glory or you're going darker and darker. Believe me, you never stay the same. There's no such thing as staying the same. Well, pastor, I've been this way for a hundred years. Well, then that means you're really dead. Because you're either growing or you're dying. Strongholds are progressive. I need to do what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine myself, whether I'm in the faith. Examine. 
Look at yourself. There's some things Ray Galligan does. Now, don't look with condemnation, but I examine. I look, am I growing? Am I focused on the goodness? Have I tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Am I doing? I would have lost heart had I not waited on the Lord, but I strengthened my heart in the Lord. I, I know I'm a son, not an orphan. I'm a champion. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a blessed man. I'm a redeemed man. I'm a man who God has called to influence people for righteousness sake i can make good choices i'm a good husband i'm a good father it's not because i'm up here bragging about it it's because god's word says it already do you ever make mistakes plenty ask my wife here she is and we need to forgive we need to talk we need to communicate but guess what we're growing from glory to glory and the last thing about strongholds you need to understand is that strongholds are very calculating and persistent. Do you know that Satan studies you? I'm not trying to put fear on you. Satan studies your weaknesses. He knows your trigger points. He knows how to push your buttons to get you angry. Get you. I've had people, the worst day of the week is Sunday morning. You know what they'll do? Well, I don't think I'm going to go to the house of God today because I'm just so darn mad at you. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're just having a great day. How many of you believe that the devil wants to keep you away from your victory? Wants to keep you away. He will do anything to trigger, push your button, get you upset, get you condemned. There's people that I know, they fall into sin. I've had them call, Pastor Ray, I've had a bad week and I'm just not going to make it to church this week. I said, why? Well, because I, I feel like a hypocrite and Pharisee, and I just I, I, I shouldn't be at church at all. I said, you're the guy that needs to be here. Case in point, what if out here on Beltline Road, somebody gets hit with a Mack truck, and we come up to the guy, call 911, get the ambulance, get him down to Baylor Walnut, and the guy says, no, don't do it, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. What do you mean you're not worthy? Well, I jaywalked and I walked in front of the Mack truck. I did some stupid disjoices. And we would have a conversation like that. We say, put some tape over that guy's mouth. Let's get him into the emergency room. That's what we need to realize when it comes to the kingdom. But we have so many people today that have what I call religious strongholds. And they come to church because they feel they have a good track record. Praise God, I'm worthy to come now. No, you're, you're still not worthy to come and never will be worthy to come on your own merits. We're here by the blood of Jesus. We're here by his righteousness. The guy up here behind the pulpit is no more righteous than the worst sinner in the world. That's why Paul the Apostle says, I'm the least of all of all the saints in the and the apostles that have gone before me, and he it says, because of the things that I did. But he, then he, he concludes, he says, the reason why God chose me was so that God, through his mercy, I would become a pattern for others who have no hope. Isn't that awesome? You may say, you know what, I just feel so unworthy and unclean, and I'm a broken person. God delights in putting broken people together. 
And then he crowns you with loving kindness. And he gives you a testimony. And, and then he allows your testimony to go around the world and around your neighborhood. And, and then he uses you and he honors you and he lifts you up. And he, he puts joy in your heart and your mind. And he, and he begins to help you realize it's not about you. It's not about you. Have I, if I got one word, it's this morning. Get over yourself. Good preaching. Praise God. Get over you and all that you went through and begin to say, you know what, God? What you brought me through, what I've come through, what the devil meant for evil, and how I've flubbed up and fallen on my face so many times, it's only because it's been given your grace to abound where sin did abound even greater. Therefore, I am not going to give up. The devil hates that testimony. But he loves it when people get on there and he's, oh, God, I'm done with church. I'm done with God. I'm done. I am so done with you because you didn't pull me through. I'm in pain and you don't care about my pain. You know what? God still loves that person. Still loves that person who's in confusion. They're going through their dilemma. Peter was that way. Peter went out bitterly crying. He thought he could follow Jesus all the way to the cross. He was a coward. He ran. Abraham was a coward. I don't know if any woman here would ever want to be married to Abraham. I mean, we're right, the first sign of problems and famine, they're going down to Egypt to buy grain, and he tells his wife, Hey, would you, honey, Carol, would you do me a favor? Would you tell uh, Pharaoh that you're my sister instead of my wife? to save my skin? How many of you would like a husband like that? And yet, in the book of Romans, chapter 4, Paul the Apostle calls him the father of faith. Because, you know, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, by the way, you see the mistakes. In the New Covenant, it's covered by the blood. Under the Old Testament, you couldn't touch a leper because if you touched a leper, you became unclean. In the New Covenant, when Jesus touched lepers, they became clean. The reverse took place. You couldn't touch a leper. You couldn't be around someone who had an issue of blood. You couldn't be around a sinner like the Pharisees did. Jesus came and he hugged them and loved them and put his arms around lepers and said, hey, guy, and it, they would say, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean because I heard that you're, you're coming to bring good news. And Jesus said, I'm willing. I'm so willing. And he touched them. And it wasn't just like a touch like this. <sighs> I know you got leprosy. So you're clean. I believe Jesus was all over that guy hugging him. You're my, you're my son. You're my son. I love you. That's the way Jesus was. He was a huggy, touchy, feely Messiah. He let the woman, when, when he was in the house of Simeon, and Simeon said this, if Jesus was such a prophet, he would have known that that woman is a woman who's a whore and a prostitute and a slut. 
And yet she breaks the alabaster box, fills the room, and she's washing her hair with her tears and just worshiping the Lord extravagantly. And here's the beautiful thing. She didn't give a rip about what anybody else was thinking. You know, once, once, one of the ways you know you're healed is you don't care what other people think. When you're really healed, you can worship freely. You can bless God freely. Man, you know who your, your Savior is. You know who the Messiah is. You know God is there for you. She knew that inside she was healed and cleansed and healed. And it turned her into a follower and a worshiper. How many of you believe God wants to turn this church into being a worshiping church? Radically worshiping. But here's the thing. We need to have an impartation of the goodness of how great our Father God is. People need to see God the Father. He's not against us. Last scripture, Romans 8. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm done. Romans 8. You know this really well, really, really well. Many of you do. Romans 8 says this, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us. Say it three times with me, would you? God is for us. Say it again. God is for us. One more time. God is for us. Now turn to your neighbor and say this. God is for you. (laughs) Yes, He is. Some of you don't believe it because you didn't turn your head. Praise God. He really is. God's for you. If God is for me, who can be against me? Because if you're saying He's not for you, what you're really saying is that His death on the cross was a lie. The blood of Jesus cancels out not just sin, but He cancels out every generational curse. Cancels it all out. And He goes on here to say, Who then, if God, who can be against us, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, some of us? All. Delivered him up for us all. How shall we not with him also freely give, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? He's given us all things. Everyone say prosperity. Favor. Blessing, redemption, forgiveness, mercy, greatness. Amen. Some of us need to realize God's called you to start thinking great thoughts. I'm a great and mighty man of God. Not because I'm sitting, it's the power of positive thinking. I'm saying what he said. Do you know that you reflect your heavenly father? And if you walk around like a poor impoverished, beat down, wimped, wiped out. Well, I'm just trying to get through for the rapture. God help you. God's not wanting to come down and rapture you. He wants you to make a difference in a very divisive, negative world. Do you know right now is the best time for revival? Right now is the best time for God's people to begin to put on the armor of God's love and begin to show kindness I want to tell you something I did. This was a big breakthrough for me. 
I, I do treasure hunts once in a while. I was over here trying to find some more glasses. I lose glasses like they're going out of style. I was at a Dollar Tree, and I actually went up and to a Muslim, which I haven't done before, but I went up to this Muslim. I said, God loves you, and she says, I know. I wasn't expecting that as I returned, but I, I went up there. And, and the Lord says, I want you to start receiving and stop looking at Muslims in a bad light. And I said, Lord, I didn't know I was doing that. He said, yeah, you're just kind of a little picky. What do you mean picky, Lord? Well, you kind of pick your people you go to, and I want you to go to the people you wouldn't normally go to. Now, that was a thing between me and the Holy Spirit. So I, I may just start hugging some Muslims. We might even have some Muslims come to New Life Fellowship. We're not here to try to indoctrinate them. We want to show them the love of the Father. He goes on here to say, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died, furthermore is risen. It sits in the right hand of God who has makes intercession. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. As is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. Here's Paul saying, hey guys, yeah, negative things happen. We're killed. We go through stuff. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we're still more than conquerors. Through him... Who loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say amen? amen? Bow your heads with you, would you? I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, I'm doing a paradigm shift in your thinking in your heart today, this year. This year is the year of the Holy Spirit's life, power, flow. Jesus said that a man filled with God out of his bellies will flow rivers of living water. Sometimes those waters are stopped, held up. God wants you to know He loves you. You're His son. You're His daughter. He's not changed His plans. He's not changed His mind about you. His word says that God is for us. That's grace. Some of us this morning need to let go. Need to learn to let go of the anger, let go of the hurt. Need to let go. It might be sin. It might be something that's keeping you from the joy of the Lord. Let go of pity. Let go of feeling sorry for yourself. 
Well, that's one of the biggest traps of the enemy. Self-pity. Because self-pity makes an excuse and says, God, my problem's so special that even what you did for me can't work. The real problem is, is you're letting your feelings dominate your life instead of faith. When I let faith arise, when I let my faith begin to take dominion over my problem, you're walking through a test. But he's what he's doing, he's strengthening your heart. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait. Expect. Believe. Stand firm. Maybe this morning you may, you may say, Pastor Ray, I need to make a paradigm shift in my thinking. I've been thinking small. I've been thinking weak. I've been thinking a lot of negative thoughts. I need my mind renewed. I need my heart restored, my vision. As a prophetic word through John came today, so some people that are standing in the valley of decision, confusion, God wants to give you fresh direction and vision in your life. That, that was a word from the Holy Spirit through John today. If you've been in any place of confusion, Satan is the author of confusion. There's been confusion in your life. Why don't you lift your hand right now? I want to pray for you. I see, I see your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? See your hands. Been confusion. And the issues. Anyone else? I see your hand. Okay? See your hand. You can put your hands down when you're done. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? I want to ask one other question because I feel the Holy Spirit. You may say, Pastor Ray, I feel like I've been spiritually drifting. I need focus. I need guidance. I need a sense of direction in my life. That's you this morning. I want you to raise your hand. Okay, see your hand. See your hand. Anyone else? I need direction for my life. I need guidance. I'm not going to make anybody do this, but if you'd like to come down for prayer, we want to agree. We, we believe in the power of prayer. The Bible says <clears throat> that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Him that is sick, let them pray. Let the elders of the church pray, anointing them with oil. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. Not just physical sickness. We could have mental. We can have strongholds in our life that are binding us from all that God wants to do in a powerful way. I know there's more. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I know there's some that God has touched. The Holy Spirit spoke this morning. I I wouldn't leave here until I settle this. I need to settle this. If you'd like prayer this morning, I want to invite you right now to come on down. Feel free to come. Anyone else? Just feel free to come. By the way, I come down here all the time. Saturday night, I come in here and pray. I'm down at the altar praying because Pastor Ray has needs in his life too. I'm not here because I got it together. 
I'm here because of his mercy. That's all. Some of us need to let go of guilt, shame. Some of us need to let go of things because God has something so much greater. You can't hold on to yesterday and reach for tomorrow. God is just saying by His Spirit, He says, I love you, I care about you. His love for you is never-ending. It's unending. There's there's some other areas of breakthrough. I'm going to share it. I I have to say it. I, I know the Lord has laid this on. Some, someone this morning, you are battling depression. It, it's such a darkness. You've been in such a dark place. You can't share it with anybody. Jesus wants you to know that He is truly the light of the world. He cares about you. It's not about just reading your Bible and going through the rituals of prayer and reading those are part of some habits that we all need in our life but he wants to encounter someone this morning you've gone through a dark season in your life a dark season it's almost, I, I even see you in a bedroom in a fetal position just crawled up in a ball and I just shutting the blinds and I just sense the Lord wants to just come into that room and bring the sunshine give you dreams again give you vision give you purpose and there's a word of the Lord to you I'm speaking to this person that's gone through this depression I will never leave you nor forsake you I will never leave you. I just sense that the Holy Spirit saying that someone's been battling depression, battling the lie of the enemy, battling issues. I'm going to say one other thing, and then I'm, we're going to pray. We're battling addiction. There's a cycle of addiction in your life that is just been eating you up. Jesus said, I came to set the captive free. Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to opening the doors of those that are in prison, to setting at liberty them that are bruised, to opening the sight of the blind, Some of us need freedom. Now, Jesus declares you free. But he wants you to walk out of here free, 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 for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. If that's you in Jesus' name, I want you to come down here. I'm going to pray with you.
battling battling a cycle of addiction. I want everyone to lift their hands with me this morning. Lift your hands with me. Act of surrender. We're going to confess. We're going to pray together. In Jesus, Follow me in prayer right now. Dear Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Father, wash me. Cleanse me. Restore me. Open my eyes. Open my heart. To see that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I release control over things I cannot change. And I wait on you. Because you said you would strengthen my heart. You are my source. You are my God. You are my deliverer. You're my healer. You favor me. You love me. And Lord, there's a future and a hope for me and my family. I will not look behind. I will forget those things which are behind and I will press in to your high calling for the prize that is set before me. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to someone and give them a hug this morning and tell them they're more than conquerors in Jesus' name. There are more than conquerors in Jesus' name.